Today is February 15th, 2023. This is Everyone Has an Opinion. My name is Juan. Welcome back to another boxing edition of the podcast. We're one day removed from Valentine's Day. I hope everyone had a great time with their loved ones. Let me talk about something that I love, the sport of boxing. And what I love about boxing right now is the stretch that we're on in 2023. While we haven't gotten these huge marquee matchups early in the year, don't worry, I believe we're going to get them later. But what we have gotten is quality matchmaking. And that's what I expressed on the last edition of the podcast. That held true last weekend as well. We had a great performance from Oshaki Foster winning the championship at 130 pounds when he defeated Ray Vargas via unanimous decision. Ray Vargas fought a good fight. He just took a while to get started, whereas Oshaki Foster was really smooth and effective all night long. That was the difference, the consistency in his performance. Vargas can't take anything away from him. He was moving up in weight. His first fight at 130. And like I said, he fought well. He came on late, but it was just too inconsistent. Didn't find the rhythm until later in the fight. Also on that card, Mario Barrios returned to the ring. The fight was at welterweight. His new division ends up scoring a TKO in the eighth round over Giovanni Santiago. I thought it was a really impressive win. Um, not that I expected him to lose, but it was just the fashion in which he finished the fight. Santiago had never been stopped before. Barrios really applied pressure and was really letting off fast and powerful combinations. He seems much healthier at the weight. To grade his performance against Thurman, a little unfair. I think Thurman was kind of underrated due to his inactivity, but that's a former multiple-time world champion that Barrios got beat by. He will look to reestablish his career at 147 after the two losses to Tank and Keith Thurman. Also, the first fight on that card, Lanier Pero won by knocking out Victor. Uh, I'm not even going to attempt, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce Victor's last name. Great heavyweight fight. TKO in the eighth round. Pero is going to be a force to be reckoned with in the heavyweight division. I want to see him against a top 10 opponent, top 15 maybe category in heavyweight. I think Pero is going to be a tough out for any of the top guys. It was an awkward type stoppage. Pero hit Victor with a body shot that completely froze him in his tracks. It was like he was in quicksand. He couldn't move. He didn't even attempt to fight back. Victor was just taking shots to the head. And the referee said, you know what? You've had enough. You're not even responding to these shots. So he didn't get dropped. But the way he froze up almost got paralyzed by the body shot. It was kind of a, a scary sight, really, for him. Um, he's lucky the referee stepped in when he did. He was about to take even more damage than was necessary. But great stoppage win for Peril. We'll see where he goes from here. In other boxing news, making headlines this weekend at the Super Bowl was Gervonta Tank Davis. He was being escorted around in a wheelchair. TMZ reported he had an ankle injury. 
saying that uh, the wheelchair was due to the ankle injury and that the fight April 15th with Ryan Garcia was in jeopardy. Javante Davis was quick to respond to TMZ on Twitter with a video, hilarious video, go and check it out, where Tank Davis has the camera aimed at his legs, his ankle more specifically, and he is doing these ankle stretch type rotations back and forth on his ankle, showing full mobility, saying, shut up. While um, while moving around on his ankle. And then, recently, Ellie Secback, shout out to Ellie Secback on esnews.com or at esnews on YouTube. Javante is in the gym, jump roping one ankle at a time, showing that he has absolutely no issues with his ankle. I don't know if he was just trolling in the wheelchair or if he was doing it for comfort. For comfort. I don't know what the reason for him being in a wheelchair was. But needless to say, Javante Ding Davis doesn't appear to have any ankle issues whatsoever. So hopefully that fight is on track to happen. There's been many stumbles along the way with this fight being made. Um, there was a rematch clause argument over who's going to televise the rematch. Why are we even talking about a rematch? Let's get the fight in the ring before we talk about a rematch. Let's see what happens in the original before we talk about a sequel. In other news, Canelo Alvarez... One of the biggest stars in the sport, if not the biggest, is returning in May, I believe, in Mexico against John Ryder. Yes, the same John Ryder that lost to Billy Joe Saunders, the same John Ryder who lost to Rocky Fielding, the guy who looks like Aaron Rodgers, and the same guy who lost to Callum Smith. All three of those guys were fairly easily defeated by Canelo Alvarez. All of them were either stopped or completely shut out. Why is he fighting this fight? The short answer is money. It's not a huge money fight, but it's a fight in Mexico. It's a fight for his home crowd. It's a fight that is easy. And he's still going to get a pretty good chunk of money for the fight. He's going to fight in front of his hometown crowd, get a stoppage because he's definitely going to stop John Ryder. And that's really the short and the long of it. There's no other reason. People that are surprised, I don't know why you're surprised. Canelo has displayed this in the past where he'll fight a tough fight and then he'll take an easy fight. Granted, at that time, Canelo was fighting three times per year, so it was a little more easily digestible. But this fight to me, leaves a sour taste in my mouth. I don't want to digest it whatsoever. I'd rather not even watch it, put it that way. If there's absolutely nothing going on that weekend, and I'm at home, and this is a zone event, not a pay-per-view, then I'll watch it. But if this is a pay-per-view, no chance I'm watching it. If there's anything relatively fun to do that weekend, I'm not watching it. And that's sad because this is an undisputed championship fight and you're giving us John Ryder. When you're the biggest name in the sport, you need to develop, or you need to produce rather, the biggest events in the sport. And that's what Canelo isn't doing. Granted, he's done it a few times. 
But those times are few and far between where at this point of his career, that should be all he's making. He should be only giving, as my dog Ty sneezes over here, he should only be giving us top-notch events. Bless you. Top-notch events where, like kind of like we saw Canelo Alvarez, I mean, excuse me, kind of like we saw Floyd Mayweather doing, he gave us, we knew every May and September he was going to give us a massive event. He was going to fight someone that the public knew, whether they had legendary status or if they were hot coming off a big victory. He wasn't going to fight a guy coming off a loss. He wasn't going to fight a guy um, with multiple losses against guys he's already beaten. That wasn't the formula to make a mega star. Canelo Alvarez is a huge star. Don't get me wrong. He was in a Super Bowl commercial. This guy is everywhere. Um, but to capitalize on that stardom, they're not really doing it. I, I expect more. I expect these huge events. I expect these Benavidez fights. I expect the Bevel rematch. I expect a better BF matchup. I expect a Charlo fight. I expect um, even Demetrius Andrade has a bigger fan base than John Ryder. But not saying Boo Boo is a blockbuster event, but the promotion could make it that. John Ryder isn't the type to really trash talk. He's not going to make headlines. Um, it's going to be just Canelo fighting in Mexico. That's really going to be the selling point. He's fighting in front of his home crowd. But he's going to slaughter this dude. Simple as that. He's going to slaughter him. In other news, Josh Taylor. What's going on with Josh Taylor? Josh Taylor fought Jack Catterall last year, right? This fight was supposed to be made months later. It kept getting pushed back. It was supposed to happen last month, but Josh Taylor pulled out with a foot injury. I was starting to think this fight may be cursed. Not literally, but you know what I mean. This fight just wasn't meant to be. And now it looks like Josh Taylor is lined up to fight Tiafimo Lopez next if we're if we're to believe the rumors, and not only rumors, because WBO actually ordered the fight today. So the rumors started, then WBO ordered the fight. So it leads me to believe that Josh Taylor didn't really have an injury. And I know that sounds crazy to some people, but this is boxing. It's a business. I know it's a sport, but it's also a business. And these promotions and these fighters are looking to make the most money. Let's, let's be honest. This is their job. They're trying to make money to the point they don't have to work again. They don't have to work regular jobs. Their kids don't have to work regular jobs. They want to make as much money as possible so they can retire at a respectable age without losing their brain, really. This is a sport where you get pounded in the head. These guys want to throw as much money in the bank as they can. So if you're a sanctioning body or you're a venue or you're Josh Taylor or you're top rank, and you're looking at Catterall versus Taylor too, is there interest in the boxing community? Absolutely. Many of us believe that Jack Catterall was robbed in the first fight. That fight should happen. Absolutely, 100%. But from a business perspective, if you're looking at option A, Jack Catterall, option B, Tiafimo Lopez, it's a no-brainer. Who's going to make the most money? It's a no-brainer. Who's going to sell the most tickets? It's a no-brainer. 
who is going to sell the fight at a press conference, on a flyer, a poster, on social media. Tiafimo Lopez is the money option of the two. And that sucks for Jack Catterall. It really does. I feel for the guy. I thought he clearly beat Josh Taylor. It's BS that the fight hasn't happened. This was a year ago. This was last February. Not almost a year ago. This was a year ago that this fight happened. Neither guy, Josh Taylor or Catterall, have stepped in the ring since. You're holding up a man's career here, Josh Taylor. That's BS. But if we get a Tiafimo Lopez fight out of it, I'm not going to hate it as much. Again, I feel for Catterall. But this is a business, like I said, and that's a big fight. Josh Taylor versus Tiafimo Lopez. And if you're Josh Taylor, I'm not going to say it's a complete duck because obviously there's a lot of danger in a, in a Tiafimo Lopez fight. But maybe he's looking at it like, hey, Tiafimo Lopez hasn't looked good in a couple years if we really want to be technical about it. He hasn't looked great since he beat Lomachenko. He's moving up to a new weight. This is only his, I believe this is his third fight at the weight. Well, this will be his third fight at the weight. So it's not crazy for, for Josh Taylor to think, hey, this is going to be an easier fight. I already know what Catterall can do. Catterall beat me. I'm sure Josh Taylor knows that in the back of his mind. Catterall beat his ass. So he's looking at Teofimo like, hey, maybe this is a bigger payday with a much easier fight. Maybe that's what Josh Taylor's thinking. I don't know. I can't speak for the man. It just looks like that from the outside. When you say, oh, I got this injury, and then the fight gets pushed back. Next thing you know, oh, yeah, I'm actually going to fight somebody else. It's just suspicious. We got to use our brain here. Clearly, this is the money path for Josh Taylor. And I don't blame him as a professional fighter. Like I said, he's the one taking the risk. He's the one taking the brain injuries. That's on him. He wants to make more money. You got to do what you got to do. But that's what it looks like we're going to see. Um, very interesting matchup. I'll break it down in a future episode, especially if the fight gets made. We'll do a full breakdown closer to the event. In other news, since these guys look like they're matching up, Regis Progray reached out to Jack Catterall, or vice versa. Maybe Catterall reached out to Progray. But both guys agreed, hey, if these two ducks are going to fight each other, why don't we fight each other? We can make another great fight at 140. If that's the outcome, if we get Teal versus Taylor, and then we get Progray versus Jack Catterall, I'm all for it. We get two really good fights at 140, two of the better fights that you can make in a stacked division. You have a lot of talent at 140 pounds, probably the deepest division in the sport. And I don't say that lightly. There's a lot of great divisions, but this one, just a name for name, technique for technique, talent for talent, that division is loaded. You could probably go 16 deep on the division and really get excellent matchups all across the board. There's not many divisions you could say that about. 140 is definitely on the rise. Keep your eyes on it. In other boxing news, obviously we have um, the two champions at heavyweight still dragging this out. Usyk and Tyson Fury. These guys got to make it happen. We need a one champion at heavyweight. We've come close in the past with Joshua and Wilder. Now it's Usyk, Fury. Um, just make it happen, guys. Tyson Fury, I know you have a lot of options. Um, again, money doesn't seem to be an issue here when you're talking heavyweights, especially when you can go to different countries and you have Saudi Arabia throwing money at you. This doesn't have to happen in the U.S. Neither one is American. But 
There's money to be made anywhere. Just sit down, make the fight happen. This is one that we need. Supposedly, both their managers were meeting today. Hopefully, they can iron it out and make it happen because that's something that we desperately need in the sport. When heavyweights are on fire, the entire sport is on fire. Speaking of fire, there's some low-key fire this weekend. We have two main events, both of them taking place on DAZN. Both of them title fights. We have earlier in the day, it's going to be Lee Wood taking on Mauricio Lara. This is taking place in the UK. It is a featherweight championship matchup, and it's going to be fun. You got Lara, who has two-handed power, excellent stamina. This guy really came out of nowhere. He was relatively unknown in 2021 until he challenged Josh Warrington and knocked him out, which was a huge upset at the time. And then in the rematch, they had a good fight up until a, uh, a cut ended the fight. It eventually became a draw. So Lara retained his championship. He defended it last year in a war with Emilio Sanchez. Emilio Sanchez and him only last three rounds. But go back, do yourself a favor, watch that third round back. One of the best rounds of the year in 2022. And he also had a victory over Jose Sir Martin, which was a KO. I don't know much about San Martin. But this fight against Lee Wood will be fireworks. Lee Wood is a counterpuncher. Also gets hit fairly often, much like Lara. He has power. He had probably KO of the year for most people's uh, money last year when he knocked out Mick Coleman. That was an excellent fight. Lara is willing to exchange. Wood is willing to exchange. That's one of the reasons I think this fight is extremely underrated. I think it's going to be off the charts once they get into the ring. Wood was in a war in his last fight against Coleman. So I don't know how much that took out of him. He's the older fighter. So I think he needs to be patient against Mauricio Lara. Lara will make more mistakes than Wood. So when Wood finds the opening, he needs to press Lara. If he gets a little anxious and goes toe-to-toe early against Lara, I think Wood gets stopped in this fight. But if he can go to the body early, and then press the action later in the fight. He has a good shot. Lara has been stopped to the body before. So if Wood can go to Lara's body, that is his best chance. I think this fight is really going to come down to who goes to the body better. Because Lara is a vicious, vicious body puncher. He's very unpredictable. Lara will get reckless at times. He's just trying to inflict damage. By any means necessary. He's not really. He doesn't have much of a regard. For anything that's coming back. He's willing to walk through fire. To deliver some of his own. So I think this really comes down to body punching. And who has more creativity. Lara is more unpredictable. But Lee Wood is going to have to be creative. He's going to have to use that jab. Extremely well. And go to the body early. To slow down Lara. Because once Lara gets on a roll. It's going to be tough to stop him. The power is there. Uh, the motor is there. He has youth on his side. Lee Wood, Lee Wood is a little older than him. Actually, I think much older than him. And I'm, I'm curious to see if the crowd's going to be behind Lee Wood too. I know it's in the UK, but how many people are going to turn up for this fight? 
Um, Jack Kelly from Inside the Ropes wrote a great article. Check it out if you get a chance about how the UK doesn't back Lee Wood like it backs most of its other countrymen at his level. He doesn't get the fanfare that most of the other guys with his success have gotten. So I'm, I'm curious to see if the crowd's going to be all in on him, if they can will him to have a great performance. Check that one out. This one is on DAZN. If you're on the East Coast in the United States, the ring walk should be around 6 p.m. Eastern. Don't miss it a little earlier than usual. But that's not the only fight this weekend. As I mentioned earlier, there's another fight also on DAZN. It is between Luis Neri and Azat Hovhannisian. Crazy A, as they call him. This is for the WBC Super Bantamweight title. This could be a war. Crazy A comes on the inside, loves to bang on the inside like a drum brawler status when he cuts off the ring. And he's great at cutting off the ring. Luis Neri, on the other hand, his only loss is to Brandon Figueroa. He throws huge hooks. He beat Carlos Castro last year before making easy work of David Carmona in only three rounds. Neri likes to fight on the inside. Crazy A likes to fight on the inside. This is going to be a battle of will. Who is willing to impose their style on the other more? And that will be found out fairly early, I think. I think this one is going to get off to a quick start. Neri's opponent has knocked out six of the last seven. He's on a hot streak. He lost his last title shot against Ray Vargas, but that fight went the distance. He's not looking to go the distance with Luis Neri. This is going to be a fun one. That, I believe the main card starts at 8. Not going to lie to you, don't know much about the undercard. Look through it. Nothing really stuck out to me. But this main event should be a blast. Two great main events on own. Hopefully they both deliver. Tune in early. Like I said, the first card, the main event should be around 6. And then this one will probably be later in the evening, around 9.30, 10 o'clock p.m., on the eastern part of the United States. But I'm sure people are tuning in from all over the world. Hopefully it's another excellent night of boxing. As I mentioned at the top of the episode, we've been on a hot streak as far as quality goes, and I think this weekend will continue that. And if all that isn't enough to satisfy your boxing needs this weekend, Friday night on Showtime, a Showbox card headlined by two promising 154-pound prospects and Ardriel Holmes and Ishmael Villarreal. You haven't heard of these guys? Tune in to Showtime Friday night. This is a Showbox card. If you're not familiar with Showbox, it is where prospects become contenders. We've seen it time and time again. We've seen champions like Sean Porter, the Charlos, Earl Spence, many other guys start on Showbox and become stars. So tune in. This should be a good one. You have evenly matched prospects willing to risk their O early in their careers. Bellareal is 12-0 with 8 knockouts. Holmes is 12-0 with 5 knockouts. 12-0 versus 12-0. Something's got to give. Um, Ishmael, a little more known from the Bronx. He was highly touted and he takes on tough opponents this early in his career. So we'll see if he can pass the test. Ardriel Holmes is no joke. The odds are fairly even in Vegas. This should be a good one. So if you haven't had enough boxing as of late, you want some extra stuff, Friday night is the card for you. That's Showbox, the next generation. They tend to deliver. Tune in. 
that should be fun. That's all I got for you guys this weekend. Enjoy the fights. Give me that five-star review if you get a chance. It really helps out. Thank you guys for listening all over the world. Continue to tell a friend to tell a friend. I'm out.